Well, hello, it's Pastor Carson from Calvary Tabernacle. Thanks for stopping by the podcast. We hope that it's a blessing to you, whether you're catching one of the Sunday or Wednesday messages, or maybe you're jumping on to listen to one of the Saturday snapshots. We're doing everything we can right here in the beautiful Fountain Square area of Indianapolis to try to reach and connect and disciple people towards Jesus Christ. Enjoy what you listen to, and I hope that it's a benefit to your life. Acts chapter 1, we have been on this very intentional journey prompted by the Holy Ghost. Um, I've had this curriculum I'm using kind of on Wednesday nights, not much. Case in point, Wednesday night. It's my number one desire is to follow the leading of the Holy Ghost. But we're on this, this journey. You know, resurrection was not leading us with ambivalence. It was leading us to Pentecost. Next Sunday, June 5th, is recognized internationally as Pentecost Sunday. Ladies and gentlemen, that's a bigger holiday than Memorial Day for us. (laughs) We believe in what Pentecost represents, meaning 50th and understanding that timing after the resurrection. And we're I I did some work with our mentor and mentee meeting the other night, and and we built out this great sermon. Some of them know where I'm going right now. Brother Henderson, somewhere in this room. Oh, I see you now. He said, man, you should preach this on Sunday. I wanted to. The notes were all there, and it felt real good. But the Lord has arrested me and given me a a word I've got to preach today, so I'm going to ask you not to preach that message you hold off. Feel like making everybody shout, hold off, Brother Henderson. Just <laughs> but I want to preach what the Lord has given me for this day. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. This is Jesus giving instruction. Okay? Ye shall be witnesses unto me, not unto yourselves. Not witnesses to market your church. Witnesses unto me. Because if you really want to make a difference, it better be about me, not you. It's got to be about Jesus. Both in Jerusalem and in all Judea. They weren't ready for this. And in Samaria. And while he was on a roll, he said to the uttermost part of the earth. Just in case you think we're going to be happy with our little crew having good church. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up. And a cloud received him out of their sight. Many investigating the text and trying to find this, they liken this up to possibly the Shekinah glory that we read about in the Old Testament. But we know that a cloud receives him out of their sight. It was imperative, I believe, that they watched him go in this ascension. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, 
You might not realize, but he put them in their place. They put these men in their place when he said, ye men of Galilee, I know who you are. Why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. How many believe he is returning for his church? He is going to return for his church. Verse 12, last verse I'll read before we are seated this morning. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, the Mount of Olives here, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. I want to preach to you on this thought, a Sabbath day's journey. A Sabbath day's journey. Now I'm going to let the cat out of the bag before we even pray. Okay? I've come to preach from the Lord to somebody here. You're closer than you think you are. You're, close, you're closer than what other people have told you you are. You're closer to the promise right now. Even while you stand with your mouth open, gaping toward heaven, can't believe he's gone. You're closer right now to the promise he's given you than you've ever been before. I've got a word for somebody in this house. I want you to lift your hands and lift your voice all over this building one more time. God, we love you and we thank you for your goodness and your mercy. I pray you would help me to preach under the anointing of the Holy Ghost that you would receive the glory, that you would receive the praise. I'm asking for your help in this house so that you can be exalted. Come on, somebody pray that the Lord would be exalted, that people would find breakthrough. Oh, let it be done in the name of Jesus. God bless you, and you may be seated here today. It was John Logan, the leader of the Union Veteran Association, who brought the people together for the weekend that we currently celebrate and has been mandated as a federal holiday. It started with his declaration to call it Decoration Day. And there they would go and they would begin to decorate. And then it was in 1868 on May the 30th when 5,000 plus of widows and children gathered at Arlington Cemetery and they begin to put these wreaths and these flowers and what has now been known by uh, American flags that are placed there and the really overwhelming and breathtaking sight of Arlington Cemetery. And many of you, how many of you have ever even traveled there and been? Would you raise your hand? Look how many hundred people have been to this specific site. The reason that people traveled then and the reason that people travel now is not for the beauty of gravestones, for that seems a dichotomy within itself. But the reason that we travel there and the reason that we stand there on those sacred grounds to us as Americans is because we believe 
that the price which was paid, the words which were declared, the blood that was shed is worth remembrance. It's worth honoring and it's worth remembrance. And while we are American citizens and while we're here today in a weekend that many of us will celebrate in different ways. Many are traveling there with family for this three-day weekend where they are off work or they have the opportunity. And so we celebrate them and we pray God's blessings upon them. But we ask people, don't take a celebrated holiday off of church. Why do we say that? Because while we honor and we thank God for the men and women who have given their lives, we are all a part of an army that is greater than even this country. We are meant to be soldiers in the army of God. If you will allow me the parallel, we give such great respect to those who have given their lives and made it their mission. But if you will allow me the parallel today, I will tell you every person in this room has a mission. Every person in this room has a declared statement from Christ. What is that, Pastor Carson? Well, I'm glad you asked through my voice. You are to take up your cross and follow Him. We are called to die out to our own desires for His desires, our own wants for His wants, our own mission for his mission. And while we might be physically here, the only reason that a thousand people might have walked in this house today and be physically here is because somewhere in your recent or distant history, you've got a spiritual grave that you're reminded of where you knelt before the Lord or you threw up your hands and you said, God, not my will, but I want your will to be done. Not my desires, but I want your desire for my life to be accomplished. I want to tell everyone in this building today, as recent as Wednesday night when we prayed and we talked about repentance, I want you to hear me clearly. If there's anything we should celebrate, it is when a man or a woman dies out to the desire of their flesh to serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. For there is still only one who is worthy of our praise. There is still only one that is mightier than we are. There is still only one name that is above every other name. There is still only one who sits upon the throne. There is still only one to whom we will sing our praises. There is still only one that deserves our instrumentation. There is still only one when we say hallelujah that it must be directed to. There is still only one that deserves my dance. There is still only one that deserves my shout. There is still only one that deserves my attendance. There is still only one that deserves my praise. There is still only one that I must acknowledge in all my ways. There is still only one that deserves me to read his word. There is still only one that deserves me to lift my voice and go to the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in. And at the end of the day, we're here, ladies and gentlemen, because we know who that one is. His name is Jesus, and he is the 
rock upon which we are built. If we have any power, it's because of Him. If we have any blessing, it's because of Him. If we have any real joy, it's because of Him. If we have any real blessing, it's because of Him. If your family's really blessed, it's because of Him. If you really got a good job, it's because of Him. If you got some right thinking in your mind, it's because of Him. If you've got the ability to get up and praise Him or slip your hands, it's because of Him. And I'm going to tell you, He's worthy. He's worthy of everything we can give Him. That's why we are unapologetic about our praise and our worship and our aisle running. People might not know your story, but God knows your story. And he understands your praise. And I'm not taking any shots at the Indy 500. If that's your thing, enjoy watching. But there's no way that deserves more fans or more fanatics than the King of Kings. And the Lord of Lords, I wish somebody would act like you were a die-hard, radical Jesus fan. Like you were a die-hard, radical Jesus Christ fan. I'm fanatical about him. I'm fanatical about the message. I'm fanatical about the power of the word. Come on, put your hands together and shout with a voice of triumph. Yeah, 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 yeah. We want to do our best when singing for you. Sister Gallion, thank you for getting the team here early. Dr. A, thank you because we want it to sound good. But you know and I know we weren't really doing this for us. And I don't want us to ever... Can I preach how I feel? I don't want us ever to flip this and think our number one concern with how we do church is catering to people. Our number one concern better be, can we present our best to the king? Can we give our very best to the Lord? Can we give him the very best of our praise? Can we give him the very best of our worship? I'm going to say this right now. This summer schedule, I've had some people tell me, well, we love Sunday night. I'm going to tell you why some of us love Sunday night. Because we reserve our best church for us. We reserve our, Brother Barkus, it's not the will of God that we should have a great host of, wit, of, of visitors on Sunday morning. But then on Sunday night when just the church comes in and all the hundreds of people who were serving in classrooms come back in, we just have good, I want every visitor in here to know we are not ashamed of how we worship. We are not ashamed of how we praise. We are not ashamed to magnify God. It is he who hath called us and not we ourselves. Listen, and we want you to know he wants to do the same in your life. Jesus Christ wants to be the Lord over every part of you, over your mouth and over your eyes and over your ears. Woo! He wants to be in your walk and he wants to be in your talk. He wants to... 
Praise God. Somebody shout amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. And in Acts chapter 1, I'm a little bit astounded. Brother Ross, I'm glad to see you. We've been praying for you. I'm glad. I thought I heard you from up here. We were sitting at that wedding reception. Been praying that him and Brother Billy Brooks could be there. Need to keep Brother Brooks. He had another surgery. Keep him in prayer. Keep him in prayer. God touch him completely in the name of Jesus. Touch his body completely, I pray it. Jesus' name. Brother Ross in Acts chapter 1, they kind of got used to Jesus walking with them again. I'm going to tell you, when Jesus is walking with you, that's good church. The whole grave thing, the tomb, that was a real damper. When you're walking with him and there's blind eyes being opened and deaf ears being unstopped and people that were lame walking again and then all of a sudden he dies. People talk. But then he shows himself alive. Remember that Bible study a few weeks ago? Many infallible proofs. He's walking among them. And in Acts chapter one, we as believers and as Pentecostals we are, uh, we are very clear that we appreciate Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. I have been in more than one camp meeting where the preacher did a little something like this. But ye shall. And everybody went, woo. And somebody on the organ went, Wee. And depending on the preacher, they could either go with them or not. You shall receive power when? After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And if I'm standing there with them, Brother Howard, I'm standing there with them. When Jesus says that, I probably pull my hanky out. Hmm. Preach Jesus. Woo! Not knowing what I'm telling you, I'm about to take off. They were not prepared. How do you know they weren't prepared? When you stare so long, he has to send an angel. Where are my daydreamers in the room? You know who you are. Some of you don't know because you're daydreaming right now. If they're daydreaming... Be their angel and nudge them. Don't nudge me. Nobody called you an angel. Don't nudge me. I see it. I see it. It's a good view from up here. Shall receive power after that, the Holy Ghost. And we preach it. We say, wow. Going to be witnesses. We're at Jerusalem. I like it. All Judea. Okay. Samaria. Mm-hmm. Uttermost part of the earth. And if you don't think it's true, 
You can read forward in the text. They had thrown down church in Jerusalem. And if you don't know what throw down church is, they had very good church in Jerusalem. All the young people are like, who doesn't know what throw down church is? They had good church in Jerusalem. But it didn't spread until persecution happened. Remember? So he stood there. He's given them this promise. They're really concerned about the kingdom thing. And he's saying, stop worrying about stuff that doesn't matter. And then while they're standing there, everybody give me your best. Some of y'all didn't even try. I'm up here sweating and preaching. You didn't even try. You couldn't even. Everybody give me your best. Yeah, that's better. What I love is, is like 70% did the hands too. That was good. We might reinstitute the sign team. Uh. He's caught up in there. In my mind, I'm watching them thinking, they're going, did you, did you, did that, did he, wait, wait, and the angel said, what are you doing, what are you doing, if I'm one of them, I'm thinking, did you not see? We were just getting back in the rhythm of good church. We were thinking he's about to tell all these Romans. He's about to set up this kingdom and annihilate all of them. And he's gone again. The angels said, in fewer words, let me give it to you. Didn't he already tell you what to do? Didn't he tell you what to do? You listen to me. He's coming back. But until he comes back, you got some stuff to do. It was really a message to the church in its inception. He was telling them, before he returns, the church has some work to do. He said, I need you to get to Jerusalem. Hadn't he already told them? Hadn't it already been declared unto them that they had to get to Jerusalem? So he asked them a question. Why stand ye here gazing? This same Jesus. Ooh, I could preach that. This same Jesus. He's the same in the good days and the bad days. He's the same when you see him and when you don't. He's the same. He's the same. He's the same one that they put in the tomb that walked into hell and took the... He's the same one that hung on the tree that walked out. He's the same one. He's the same one that is not intimidated by your situation. The same one. And he's going to come again like you've seen him go. He's going to return. That's this little Bible study the angel gives them and says, but you've got to do something. 
Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you from the text of the Acts of the Apostles in the introduction of the story from the book that we so readily and aptly highlight and it is, it is the greatest historical account of the early church and our inception as a body. Please hear me. I present to you from the first chapter today that the angel told them, if you just Stay here. You cannot allow his promise to be fulfilled. Sister Mast, those angels looked at those men and said, he's going to do his part. You do your part. You do your part. Brother John, I was reading this text. Seeking the face of God, praying for this body. And those words jumped off the page at me like I had never seen them before. You ever get one of those cards from somebody and you open it up and the pages have been cut to jump up? Sister Kilmer, you know what I'm talking about where the pages rise up out? It was like those words right there, a Sabbath day's journey. Those words came up off the page at me. I've, I've read them a thousand times probably. They've never jumped off the page from me before until this particular time this last week as I was studying and praying for this service and the Lord told me these words. They're closer than they think they are. And I got to be honest in my immediate, I couldn't even really understand it. I, I couldn't wrap my mind around it until I went in and I began to study and refresh myself with the book of Exodus and the declaration in regards to the Sabbath. When it came to the Sabbath, there was a strong regulation on how far that you could travel. You've got less than 2,000 cubits worth of steps that you're allowed to go. You can't get very far. It was mandated rest. It was regulated rest. And I'm going to speak to the modern church and tell you we need to reevaluate Sabbath. Working seven days a week is not the will of God unless we think we're better than God. That was weak. But it is true. And it is right. And they've got him here. And the Lord, the Lord reveals to us through this scripture. They were only a Sabbath day's journey. What is that telling us? What is it speaking to us? I'll tell you what it's speaking to us. They were so close to Jerusalem. They're standing here, Mount Olivet. They're, they're in this place that we have watched for prayer meetings. And we have watched it in times of agony. We have watched it in times of, of provision. But we have also watched it in times where, where the body seems racked and desolate. We've watched it through the scripture for teaching. But we've also watched it where it felt isolating. And yet here they are camped in this moment. They've watched Christ ascend. And the angel says, you're not very far. You're not very far away. We don't know what we're supposed to do. And we don't know how we're going to do it. That's not true. He already told you what to do. He already told you where to go. He already told you how to make this happen. You don't have very far. But you got to start marching towards Jerusalem. They're on the Mount of Olives. They can see it right there. It's not much farther than looking out at that field. I'm on this mountain, and there it is, Jerusalem. I've got an upper room that's waiting there. I've got a consecrated place that's waiting there. I've got a place of a previous prayer meeting there. I've got a promise setting on me. But if I sit here and soak in olive, if I stay right here in this mountain, 
and I just lament the fact that he's been taken, then I'm going to sit here right now with an unfulfilled promise just over yonder. But if I will go ahead and I will go ahead and lift myself up in the promise of God and I'll listen to what the angels have said, I can take off marching towards Jerusalem. What are you doing? I tell you what I'm doing. I'm going on a word from God. I'm going to march toward Jerusalem. Wait a minute. He's been taken from you. No, no. He might have been taken from me. But he told me there's power coming. And he told me there's authority coming. He told me that blessing was coming my way. What are you going to do? I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to walk toward the promise. I'm going to walk toward the promise of God. I'm going to put one foot in front of the other. Time out. I'm going to take a preacher's pause right now and tell somebody in this place, if you'd start putting one foot in front of the other, if you'd start moving a little bit, you're probably closer to your promise than you think you are. I'm not preaching no blabbing and grabbing some kind of prosperity doctrine to you. I'm telling you about Holy Ghost tenacity. That'll make you say, wait a minute. He doesn't give any promises that are false. Let me poll the crowd. Who thinks he's a liar? Don't raise your hand. Okay? Who thinks God can be trusted? Okay, put your hands down. That was majority. Who thinks God expects us to do a little something too? Yet how often, how often do we stand on Olive? Here we are, Mount Olivet. I'm not saying don't cry. Just go cry in the upper room. I'm not saying don't mourn. Just go mourn in the upper room. I'm not saying don't weep. Weep. Weep all night. Walk if you have to while you weep. But get to the upper room. Here's what God, listen to me. We don't have to beg. I'm going to teach for a second. We don't have to beg God to do his will. Anytime I'm praying with someone and they're begging, I stop them. Some people don't like that, but I stop them. I don't have to beg him. The Bible tells us if an earthly father can give good gifts, how much more? How much more our heavenly father can give those gifts? Brother Gargany, he knows what we need more than we know what we need. He knows what we are in need of. Brother Jordan, if we need something physically, he knows it. If we need something mentally, he knows it. But here's what he expects of us. He expects us to walk. This is, after all, the Christian walk. This is the walk of faith. This is the walk of believers. Here's what we can do. I don't like it. That's how they felt when he, I don't like it. It ain't right. I felt that way. I've had plenty of times in living for God that I wanted to say, you're wrong. Where'd you go? One of the greatest breakthroughs in my entire life is when I was asking God to move a mountain. I prayed for three months for God to move a mountain until he finally thundered back at me and said, why won't you climb? Here's what I'm convinced of. If we'll do our part, he'll do his part. If we'll do our best, he'll give his best. If I'll take my meager step, I don't have very far to go. It's just a Sabbath day's journey. I got less than 2,000 cubits. I don't have very far to go. So make fun of me if you want to, but I'll dance those 2,000 cubits. I'll run those 2,000 cubits. 
I got to get to that place. Wait a minute. They're going to mock you when you get there. I don't care if they mock me as long as he knows I've done what he told me. I don't care if people make fun of me. I don't care if people abandon me because you give this a few days. And when the day of Pentecost, when the day of Pentecost comes, here's my question. What happens if they're still standing on the Mount of Olives when Pentecost comes? Brother Staten, I don't want to be lamenting in that mountain when Pentecost is coming. I don't want to be standing there in turmoil when Pentecost is coming. He sent me on a mission for somebody here this morning. I don't even know who I'm preaching to right now. But I'm telling you whether it's a family dilemma or whether it's a financial issue or whether it's literally the spirituality of your family. If you'll start walking towards Jerusalem, if you'll start easing toward the promise, it cannot happen without prayer. It cannot happen without fasting. It cannot... I know you don't feel like it but we gotta walk 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 and once we get to that place we idolize it but lest we think brother Robeson you're building some beautiful stuff over there the upper room not glamorous sorry we didn't get that in the plans for the I've been to the place they try to call the upper room in Jerusalem for anybody that's been there and you think that's really the one, okay. But here's what it is. It's symbolic to show us. It's not glamorous. Because it wasn't, Brother Fridley, about the space, was it? Here's what it was. It was about a few guys that said, hey, let's walk it out. Amen. Hey, come on, let's, let's walk it out. Let's, come on, walk it out. Let's, let's walk it out. Come on, let's walk it out. Come on, let's walk it out. Let's walk it out. Let's walk it out. Where are they going? I'll tell you where they're going. They're going to the promise. Do you see it? No, they don't see it yet. But he told them the promise is waiting on them. What about if people don't clap for us? What about if people make fun of us? I'll tell you what we do. We just walk it out. And then when we get there, we pray. And we seek the face of God. What? Let's walk it out. We ain't got very far to go. Let's walk it out. Come on, Brother Ben. Come on, walk with us. Come on, Brother Matthews. Walk with us. We're just walking it out. Now, time out. Sister Rutherford, here's the deal. Hear me now. Most of the time you're walking, people are not clapping for you. How many of y'all know this would make life easier? Every time we're walking, people are like, oh, good job. You're a good walker. This don't happen. Brother Titus, I wish it did. I wish every time I was just walking, trying to get to the promise of God, people are like, whoa! But how many know most of the time, people don't even care if you're walking. Newsflash, you're not walking for them. You know who we're concerned? I want God to watch. I want God to recognize. I haven't heard the promise yet. I haven't seen the promise fulfilled yet, haven't experienced it yet, but I got a promise. I got a promise. I got a promise. Come on. What father's got a promise for your family? What mother's got a promise for your... Give me... Now listen. Let me step out of Acts for a second. 
Any mamas in here got a promise for your family you haven't seen yet? You women, I know I got some men following, they like disciples here, but I want you to understand, women, it is the same for you. You are a child of God, a son or a daughter of God, and when it comes to walking, we just walk and we just follow. And... <laughs> The power of these prayers bring the promise to pass in the name of the Lord. Ah, let it be done. Let it be done. Most of our walking is not glamorous. Pastor Carson, this is a lonely illustration. This is a this is a lot of walking. Brother Faulkner, not that much. Because it's not that far. It's just a Sabbath day's church. Brother Fridley, haven't you found it to be true over and over that most often if people will really start walking towards God, he's closer than they think. Yes, I'm telling somebody in this room that's been overwhelmed, if you'll start walking toward the promise. Men, I want you to come start the altar call. I want anybody else who believes me to get up out of your seat and come join us either here or in that middle section. I want you to walk to one of these sections and I want you to stand and I want you to lift your hands towards heaven and I want you to tell God, I'm trusting in the promise of your provision. He spoke this word that it would be a comforter. In John 14, he said, I will not leave you without a comforter. I won't leave you comfortless. I'm going to send a comforter to you. Come on, I want somebody, you've walked to this altar. I want you to lift your hands. Come on, they prayed for quite a while before the Holy Ghost fell. They prayed for quite a while, but they had to get in alignment. In alignment. In alignment. Come on, in this altar, but also in that second lane. I want people to get in that second altar. I want you to lift your hands. It doesn't matter if I walk to one of these spaces. No, probably not. But I'm asking you, if you trust in the promise of God, maybe to take a step. Come on, with hands lifted now. I want you to begin praying and calling out to God and telling the Lord that you trust in His promises. Come on, even if you can't see them, even if you can't feel it yet, I want you to start calling on the promises of God. I want our music team to come help us. We're going to play music, but I don't want these lyrics to replace your prayers. Come on, I want some boisterous praying right now, some thunderous praying right now. Come on, step in to the promises of God. Step in and be blessed in this house. Woo. In the name of the Lord. Ah. Come on, mama. 
Come on, daddy. Come on, young person. Come on, single adult. It's the promises of God. Come on, pray until Pentecost comes in your life. Pray until that breakthrough experience happens in your life. I'm telling somebody you're closer than the devil's been telling you. You're closer than the problem has been making you feel.